0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, this course, this wonderful podcast. And because we are stretching out for agency to continue our coverage of the NBA offseason, the most... Uh, I think one of the, the most interesting times of the year for the NBA, where there are obviously any games, is my lovely co-host, Tony East from Fort Com. not in the episode? Joining me, Tony, how are you? I'm great. I got to watch
1: the summer Pacers today. I've gotten to watch a lot of actual basketball today. I tried to go to the state fair today. Little did I know it's closed on Mondays and Tuesdays this year, but all in all, I'm doing
0: fantastic. Uh, that, that's a bummer. And I, you know Friday. you know fruit. it's
1: because they're cleaning the facilities and they have it open for longer as a result so good on the state fair and bad on me for not just oh looking yeah at no it.
0: not therefore i mean just bummer <laughs> to get all hype for the state fair not go yeah that's, that's where it sucks <laughs> yeah that that's that, 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 you know it's a bummer feeling but anyway so on, on on today's podcast we are going to talk about the free acquisitions so it doesn't just mean players obviously coaches so we're going to end the show by discussing how just the Pacers changes the off season will affect the current roster and what will be different. Uh, we're talking about some of the players and their fit and really the acquisitions this offseason were three, Torrey Craig, Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, but we're going to start with the Pacers. I think biggest signing. I think Tony agrees. The biggest bit the Pacers made this offseason was changing coaches and paying $29 million to Rick Carlisle, uh, who I think will markedly improve the team and change the direction of the franchise. That was uh really in the dumps last season
1: and today's show is kind of all about rick carlisle to me because we focused on the players and what the pacers can do to get better from a player standpoint this offseason but their biggest summer move might have been in late june early july i don't remember the exact timing and i think that that's kind of been maybe not glossed over is the wrong word but forgotten in the landscape of free agency and because like the, the jump from Bjorken to Carlisle, I think is going to be pretty big. And I think it's a big part of the Pacers offseason that is passed over when looking at their spending because I heard Caitlin Cooper talking about this on a podcast she just did, Fast Break Breakfast. And, you know, a lot of it resonated with me and I've been thinking about it a little bit before, especially as the Pacers talked about, right, their base defense stuff. And, and, and Kevin Pritchard talked about getting back to their old style, right? Like they had the same core two years ago And they were the fourth seed in the East uh, heading into the bubble. And, like, that season ended horribly. But they were good, right? They were top five defense, top six defense. I don't remember the exact numbers. They were right around league average in offense. Bjorkren came in, ruined the defense, right? But he also proved that there were some low-hanging fruit ways they could improve on offense. He got them above average on offense. They took some more threes. They took better shot selections in general. They were a little smarter off the ball. They weren't so just robotic, I guess is the right word. So Carlisle, can he be the guy that gets them back to a simple base defense level and can apply some of, I don't want to say apply Bjorkman stuff because some of it was weird um, offensively, but, you know, have a smoother offensive scheme. And we can talk a little bit about the summer Pacers and what we kind of learned about maybe what the Pacers will do during the regular season, not saying there'll be the same, but Mike Weinar was an assistant under Carlisle in Dallas. I think we learned a little bit about what to expect in the Pacers this year, but if Carlisle can kind of get them back to the 2019-20 iteration of what we saw the Pacers doing talent-wise, stylistically, even in his own image, I think that can be such a big improvement. Like they were almost a 51 team last year. I think that that year, I think they were actually.
0: Yeah, they were a 50 percentage-wise. They were on like-
1: pace. Right. And so like, yeah, they were 34 and 38 last year. And that, that to me is a driving factor in a lot of my thinking about this team, but it's not unreasonable to say Carlisle can unlock like the difference between being slightly under 500 to being back to over a 51 team. And that is a huge acquisition in its own right.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a case too, that if the, the center have been flipped in 2019, 20, the team is better off and may have actually been able to compete in that first round series. Uh, Cause that Uh, certainly seemed to be their biggest problem. That series (laughs) against Miami was they didn't have the ability to like basically have like a, 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 a picking player like nobody gets set because that pick and rolls basically Turner
1: was good in that series
0: oh he was good but like what they needed was somebody who could spark an offense and they didn't really have it and Sabonis was the guy also who sparked their offense uh because he just run pick and roll with Brogdon like the most effective player for the team that season by far and the bench you know Sabonis was like insane
1: he definitely would have helped on offense freeing up guys who were struggling um but I don't think it would have changed much of the series like Bam was kicking ass and like like Turner was like good good <laughs> Turner shot extremely well from three and from two and led the playoffs in blocks and averaged 11 rebounds per game. Like Turner was damn good that series.
0: Yeah, um, but. I, it just I, so I, happened that Bam kicked his ass, but he was. Good that series. I just feel like offense was more important than that series. They were just getting destroyed. Yeah. The heat oh,
1: defense was a juggernaut that postseason. And that, and,
0: yeah. And that's why I think Sabonis would have helped fix that a little bit. I agree.
1: I do agree that he would have helped in that way.
0: I might. I, I just think, like, you know, I think you're more likely to win a game or two just by having a crazy offense out, output. Not so they would win that series for that's sure. Possible. But. um it's just hard. It is easier that way. But I think the big thing with Carla too, is, is uh, hopefully they will benefit from some injury luck finally. Um, cause that was the biggest thing I got. I was in kind of to point was at hell McMillan back, I think in 2019, 20 where the team just pointing in, cause they didn't have Sabonis. bonus. Uh, they're arguably their best player that season. Uh, it was either him or Warren basically. And then this year with Bjorken, he basically didn't have a healthy roster all season. Now Bjorken wasn't very good in general. So much of that would, really would have mattered, but for the four games they were healthy and had everybody, they were pretty solid <laughs> Uh, so I mean, that's the biggest thing he's going to have. And I think the big thing with Carlisle is, is realizing that and have, figuring out how to manage guys' minutes so he doesn't get injury problems, right? I mean, I think we even saw it a little bit under McMillan his last year was, with Turner. He played Turner a little less because there was there's kind of a window with Turner where if he plays too many minutes because he takes so much contact, he does tend to get hurt more. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there that that's the one thing that's going to be a difference is we'll hopefully have a coach who kind of is realizing the players minutes and trying to like make it work so they can play the, you know, 70 games each.
1: Yeah. I think Bjorkren tried to do that. Right. He, he, he always talked about with, uh, with media and us impressions. And we asked about this kind of stuff is right. That it was a total workload thing. So like he, he had the players on board with his plan of, they do a little less intense stuff in practice, but a little more game minutes. And, and we don't really know how that, I mean, we kind of saw how it shook out with a lot of injuries, but the same guys have been injured in the past before, so I understand why Bjorkren could have a hand in all that. Like, that's a unique regiment, although it's a little more in line with what most teams do. But also, the players have some sort of history, but I do agree that perhaps Carlisle coming in with a different plan of action for game action versus practice action, just daily workload stuff, however he decides to handle it, that being different could help quite a bit. And I just think stylistically, like like I want to talk about the summer league game a tiny bit, not, not to talk about the game, but like how it, how if I think some of this stuff comes to be Carlisle's doing. How it can help the Pacers specifically? Because like right away, the Knicks went into weave at the beginning of this game, and the Pacers switched, and it was like it's so dumb to say this, but just seeing O'Shea set just switch an obvious handoff at the top of the key was like, whoa, like that never happened before. Like even last year, or, or uh, under McMillan, and like it was they did it early, and then they, they would ice, and then on offense they they didn't call as many set plays. Right. And, and Brogdon always talked about he had this strong connection with McMillan because McMillan played. Uh, so, so they kind of had some telepathy on play calls and Bjorkin likes to call plays and have set up the softball action, all this stuff. And the the summer Pacers aren't as into play calling. Right. And and Carlisle's kind of been known to have more read and react kind of stuff. He doesn't not call plays, but you know, it's, it's simpler stuff that involves just again, more reading of the game, knowledge of the game. So the Pacers having this high IQ team that, plays a slightly, maybe not better. I don't want to say better because I don't know what fits this team perfectly, but maybe a slightly tweaked style that, that can be better and is a little more tailored to, you know, not being complicated or not throwing stuff off like crazy can help a lot on the court as well. So even if their health is, is bad again, I think that having a more unified switching scheme and having a simpler I mean, simpler might be the wrong word, but a, a read and react style offense that like you throw a guy in and he's not, if he's out a position, he doesn't know the plays or he's not confused. Right. Like that kind of stuff will, will be really helpful to me.
0: Yeah. And the one thing too, we'll probably see is, is, is a slower pace. Uh, the Pacers played at like what the six or seven fifth pass pace last year. And The last like five seasons basically played in the twenties, similar to kind McMillan. Cause I think there is, and I'm sure if he thinks there's an advantage to play faster, they will. But sometimes I feel like coaches and I think you're going to probably under this was playing fast to play fast because it's like that's what you have to do when you're kind of not a good team is just play fast, get a ton of shots up, and hope the percentages work out for you. And I think the Pacers actually have a better roster than that. So we'll see how Carlisle adjusts them. But I think the playing a little slower, too, should just help the team out uh, run those half courses because that was always – McMillan's thing was like they start the year super fast, but he realized about 10 games in – for the defense to work, they had to play a little slower because they got half-court sets on defense. They were so good because of Turner, and because of their ability, I mean, back in the Old Depot and Daddy's own days, it of cut off passing lanes. Like, if they were, like, actually set on defense, they were just much better.
1: Yeah, 26th in pace last. In the Doncic era, they were 19th uh, Doncic's rookie year in pace, 18th two years ago, 26th last year. So, yeah. certainly
0: seems like he he's a little slower now. He, and I- He's gone faster, I think. So, That remember that really good offensive year he had with Monte Ellis? <laughs> And what, Rondo was 14, is 1415, correct? Right. And so they were the ninth fast in the year. So I think he yeah. will go faster if he thinks there's like a real advantage to it. And that team had the athletes, right? Ellis was still at his peak before he came to Indiana. Uh, I guess Dirk wasn't that fast, but like you had Dallas, Rondo, J.J. Barea, those kind of players, just compl- Parsons, you know, before Parsons was a show of himself. We're all just, you could play at a quicker pace. So if he sees that, he'll, he'll try to run it. But I think what he'll learn quickly, like McMillan did pretty quickly, was that if your defense to be most effective is to be in a set position because Turner is such a useful player when you're just running players into him.
1: Yeah. And there's, again, just to keep it simple for like offense defense numbers, there's a good case that you just go back to having a base defense that you run like 95% of the time, instead of like 65% of the time, even if you have the same offense as Björkrin or like, a simpler offensive bureaucracy that maybe is a little, even a little bit worse. Like you're just a much better team by default. Like they have the, It's not like they have bad defensive players, right? We saw this team be sixth in defense. That is an exact number, by the way. I, I looked it up uh, two years ago. And, you know, we've seen them be even, I think they were higher than that three years ago. I mean, they had a different team that year. Yeah, they were third three years ago, but that was when, you know Vic was on the team more, and Corey Joseph was around. They had some other Thaddeus Young was around, or they had other good defensive it's, guys. It's but, weird
0: because I remember 2017 18 being a better defensive year than 2018 19, but honestly, the season got away from them so quickly. Like, and at March, not quickly, but once Vic got hurt, that whole March got kind of destroyed. I just remember them being a much better defense team before then, but I don't know.
1: But they're like a lot of their, especially Turner, like they should be really even with just Turner. They should be really good on defense. Right. So I think that that will help a lot. And I think Dan is part of why he's he's they're paying him McConnell money basically every year to be their head coach uh, because he, he can make things easier for his players and make them better by default and vault them up in the East and be potentially their biggest free agent signing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I think we want to do some specific players and stuff like that. So let's do this. Let's take one quick break. And then let's break down how like the new players might fit with the Current roster, plus recall, and then we'll do some, like, general operations on certain players that, that, that could benefit and dive that a little deeper. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. The ever-increasing numbers of makes and models its now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to sell all the parts you'll need. Why endure of a pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand the warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer, you have a phone... They access rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Do I spend up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving so do-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need for your car. Go and explore their easy website today and find us to your part, auto parts needs now. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on how to hear about us box so they know that we sent you a main selection reliable prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right tony i think we have to start with tory craig here because he's probably of the three acquisitions as we're calling them isaiah jackson chris warte and him will probably play the most minutes of any of those three players right undeniably yes i um, mean there's a chance to warte maybe but, I, but unlikely it, it could yes make.
1: i suppose um, if the Pacers are trying to
0: be good next
1: year, I would say Duarte should should play more. Uh, just, just generally, like playing your rookie over the guy making five million dollars makes sense, but I think they're trying to be good to the point that Tori Craig will end up playing more. Plus, yeah, if one just, center gets hurt, which history tells us will certainly happen, uh, then Tori Craig could start like he could be the starting four. So, yes, yeah, I, I,
0: think, I, I think the thing I will say about, about Duarte is like if he plays 10 games and looks good those 10 games, he could just keep getting minutes, right? Like, that's the thing about rookies yep. that like if they show up well, but he'll hit a rookie wall like all of them do eventually, but like, there's the, the outlier guys who just like, I mean, I think I'm thinking like Tyrese Halburton last year, right? He just kept playing. And that team was bad. That also helped, but like, he was just good. They played 10 games. He was good. They kept playing and got more minutes because that's what happens when you're a rookie. If you, if you play with LaMelo Ball the same way, I think he knew he was going to play minutes, but he played a lot of minutes because he just was good when he played, frankly.
1: So something about Craig that's important here is he's 6'7", and that sounds like a dumb thing to say is important, but for a Pacers team that typically was light on forwards, right? If you now look at uh, Justin Holiday, who's six foot six, and Brogdon, who's six five, and Sumner, who's six four, and I, Jeremy Lamb, who knows what's up with him, but he's six five, Levert's six six, Martin, six five, Cassius is six five, O'Shea six seven, TJ Warren, six eight. Like in theory, I'm not saying a lot of those guys will play together at the same time, but two or three of them could easily be on the court at the same time. In theory, if the Pacers are going to switch, not maybe as much as they did in Summer League today, um, but if they're going to be more switchy than they've been basically in the in the Kevin Pritchard era, then Torrey Craig is very helpful because most teams, maybe not team, this isn't a team thing, this is just like a logic thing, but switching is mostly done by like, like size guys. Like you try not to switch your point guard onto huge guys or your forwards onto small quick guards. That's just not how it works, but... you have a lot of like-sized guys in the court, switching is a lot easier. And Craig is a really good defender. Like, I, as I dig through the film of watching him guard stars, you know, no one can guard stars, but he, he gives them hell better than most, right? We saw him on Giannis a few times in the finals. We saw him do well in the playoffs in various defensive settings for the Suns in general, right? Like, he's just a very talented defender. And I think that's going to help with the way Carlisle wants to play and offensively. Like he's not going to have the ball. he's just going to be a cutter. So a lot of read and react stuff like he does in the past. I need to stop saying read and react. You need a better or any different terms to describe Carlisle offense. That's too reductive. There's a lot of, of motion stuff going on still. It's free not just
0: free flowing, Let let lets the chaos kind of happen and doesn't overcorrect and overcoach it.
1: Yeah. That's how I describe it. I think Craig can fit well with what he likes to do, which makes him valuable to the Pacers and why they jumped all over him in the first hour of free agency. Um, so, so that's, that's encouraging to me. And I, and obviously Carlisle, right. We heard from Ryan Carr, the Pacers vice president of player development. Uh, I think his official title that, you know, they had Carlisle's and put on draft stuff, right. And we can get to Duarte and Jackson in a second, but I mean, obviously he had input on free agency stuff too. So I think that Craig can fit the way he wants to coach the way he wants the Pacers to play. And that's obvious given his skills, they're important for any team, but specifically the way, that Carlisle would like to to me to implement the Pacers on the court this year. Tory Craig will fit that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Pacers team look at this this year is just it's weird to find guys in minutes, right? Because if we assume O'Shea is the backup four, then really there might not be any minutes for Tory Craig or Ar- or Ortez really, right? Because then you're thinking the one, two, three is McConnell, Sumner, and Justin Holiday.
1: Depends how the Pacers feel about Sumner and Lamb going into this
0: year, but yeah, I mean, I first thought I think him and him and lamb are competing for i guess the three spot but then sumner is really going to be the two i don't know yeah i don't it's gonna be weird and then you have goga in there and then so then then he's staggering the center so then how is that working so it's just it's a very uh it's like all of a sudden a weirdly deep team but like on paper you would think craig would just kind of slide into the mcdermott role now there's some injuries too that will craig will probably be immediately playing minutes um no 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 doubt there because he's kind of the most malleable player of probably all of them. money right? you can play three or four and you can probably even get away playing at two if you really really desperately need to off the bench at least um so that 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 will help that for sure but i don't know i mean i i it's i, I think he fits well into just like he has he's another forward and he always gonna have enough forwards but uh, i'm not sure there's like any really like perfect role for him except that he will be like the 11th man waiting for somebody to get hurt i
1: don't think that they sh- they they should do this but i think what they're I my guess, at least from what they're going to do, is start the season with the bench of McConnell, Justin Holiday, Craig, and O'Shea uh, as their four main guys in an. The Goga, matches.
0: they do a full five out. Or Goga,
1: not? and they'll never do that. I hope this is another Carlisle advantage over Björkren thing. This isn't really stylistically, but just strategically, no full bench units because that five would not be that good
0: together. That's not a lot of shot creation. Who, did you? Do you have Summer or do you have Duarte? Neither. Did wait would you like me to repeat it? Go I go go your four again. I'm sorry. McConnell,
1: Justin Holiday, Craig, O'Shea. Oh, interesting. You don't see I would think that Be, because oh. I think like I get that that Sumner and Duarte are guards and are are like you'd like to play your young guards, but you know, I think those guys are better. <laughs> like Probably better. I don't know. So well, in a vacuum, yes, you should play a rookie and develop him, and I think they should. I'll probably talk about that a lot this season. Like Chris Duarte should be playing, but I don't think that's what they're going to do. So I think that's how they get Craig in the rotation. Though it's possible that you're right that he's the 11th man.
0: So that, that's the Pacers' like kind of habitual problem now. Is is they either draft a guy they can't really play because they have two centers, or they don't really play rookies enough. And it, I mean, I guess they, I guess they played in Hawaii plenty, but it that's it's yeah, hard for good
1: teams to play rookies.
0: Yeah, but I guess they're not, but the problem is they're not, like, amazing, right? They're, like, in this very, like, they've been, I guess being a four-seed is probably is pretty good, but, like, they're they're not, like, you know, like the, you know, the Lakers or the Nets or the Bucks out here, right, where they could like, they could, they probably did get a rookie some chance to see what they have because they'd be able to reach that level. So it's, like, this weird kind of place they're in. Yeah,
1: ideally. Um, but speaking of Duarte, we saw his debut last night in Summer League. Tomorrow's podcast will be talking about our first impressions of the Pacers' two summer league games. Don't want to get too overcut up in one game, but we did see some flashes of up ball defense. He hit two threes, I believe, maybe three uh, of the pull-up variety. I think that he's a really good team defender, which again we go back to the like size and the switching stuff. Should be good with what Carlisle wants to do if they want him to be that mature, uh, ready day one ready impact guy, uh, which they have talked about in various press conferences and such, um, and and. You know, I don't expect him to be an off the dribble guy. I expect him to be more off ball his rookie year, as most rookies should be. But you know, I think he will fit pretty well as well uh, if they ask him to be a creator, or if he's shoehorned into that because of injuries or whatever. I think that he will not fit with what Carlisle likes to do. Like, I don't think he can make the reads very quickly yet uh, with with the ball and stuff like that. But you know,
0: he only took eight shots,
1: and that was good. I think it's good he didn't force it in summer league, and he actually did a pretty good job. He got doubled a lot of, of getting rid of the ball, so maybe he that he could after do the better.
0: game, didn't he say he doesn't like to force shots?
1: Correct. Yes. Yep. Jay Michael was was writing about that. It's a good story in the Indy Star about that. So he he could fit well in that way that he is a smart decision maker, but he's not like an advanced decision maker or like a plus an advantage creator, as the the scouting world has started to say. So I think he'll fit well if he's put into the right role. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's true for anybody, I guess, but for yeah, a rookie, I, especially, it's it's important to talk about.
0: I, I think what we'll have to see is they just might have too many playable players for him that might make it a bad fit for him right now right they just might have too many like he just might not be able to fold lineup like because i guess is he better than lamb i mean no i'm so last year but probably not right i mean he's probably he probably deserves a player of Lamb land because lamb was not yes. good either, but doesn't mean he's better than him. so he might just end up on this weird situation where he's like the 13th best player on this team or i guess 12 whatever it's not mean. weird <laughs> no well it's not weird but it is weird for a team that wasn't that good last year right now granted it's the injuries right that's what's why they weren't good uh, so, there are a lot of reasons that were good. Yes. Well, that was one. I mean, that was a big one. I think, uh, be, at least a decent piece of it. Um, uh, but like it, usually the rookie is like, usually the first guy off, like the first guy outside the rotation. Right. But he might be like the third yeah. guy outside the rotation. Not on good teams. Yeah. But the patients, but he's not, he's a higher pick. Is what I'm trying to say he's not sure. Sure. Right. I mean, I, I like you would think with the pages, how bad they were last year that he would be able to find a win in miss because they're just like, like Lamb wasn't that good. You know, I guess they don't, they got rid of Aaron Holliday, but he would play over him like he should kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if they are good, but I think what we could see too is that some of those, those players just sort of sort themselves out, whether it's like they aren't as good as they're going to be, whether that's Sumner, whether Craig just isn't as good as he's going to be or something like that. And then he ends up playing just because he's the best of like four really okay options.
1: Last year's 13th pick played in exactly three-fourths of the Pelicans. Kyra Lewis is, is who this is. Okay. Played in exactly three-fourths of the Pelicans' games at 17 minutes per game, so about 900 yeah. minutes.
0: Would he even get that this year, you think?
1: Uh, yeah, that's
0: possible, I think. <laughs> 900 <laughs> that like...
1: minutes. That that seems – Well, seems... So there
0: are there are more games. So that will definitely help. And the Pelicans
1: are worse. They had less winning aspirations. But 900 well, minutes oh, is yeah, basically, basically what Sumner played last
0: year. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it is longer season. So he probably, like, that's actually only like 10 minutes, 11 minutes per game if you had the 80 game schedule in. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that's also makes sense. So Summer also only played in 23 games because a lot of 20, injury, 20, right? 20, 20 games. Right. Summer would have played more if he had stayed healthy. Sumner played 53 games. Sumner, well, I'm, I'm on the wrong year. Wow. I'm on 20. I have the 2018 19 because we were doing the stats earlier. My bad. You're right. <laughs> Sumner only really
1: got hurt a little bit last year. He was mostly DNP'd because Bjorken didn't realize how good he was early in
0: the season. All right. All right. Get off We this. missed
1: Isaiah Jackson here. Uh, I don't expect him to play much. No. So impossible to really determine yeah. how he'll fit Carlisle stuff, especially because this is kind of wild. I don't know the exact specifics here, but I think there's a chance. And I think there were that some reporting kind of justice that he passed his physical, like during the first quarter of the Pacers summer league game today. And then he started the second quarter after not playing until like the very end of the first. Uh, anyway, he mostly, he was only in for like 11 minutes and he had some nice defensive moments, but I don't think he shot the ball. Uh, if he does play, he'll be like a utility defender uh, because he's a good perimeter guy, which again, could help with switching stuff. But yeah, he, he's a project guy for the Pacers. So how he'll fit with Carlisle in the future? Yeah, great role man for for pick and roll stuff. Uh, like like look at maybe Dwight Powell as a as a fake blueprint from from seasons in the past. Um, But yeah, like a really good role man and solid defender. And I, I would like to see more of him in summer league before I make any declarations. But it's gonna be for this year specifically. It's hard to see how Carlisle, the Pacers' potentially biggest free agent acquisition, will use
0: Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, I want you to see if Rich Jackson just where does he come out position-wise, right? Is he going to be a four that we think, or will he end up being kind of a five because he's like a little bit oversized to be four and can do a little bit of the center stuff. So, I mean, but that's nothing to be Carlos. It just depends. Like, that'll be the most interesting thing for him all season is, is where does he, where do, what business does he, does he come out to at the, at the end of the day?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think he can be a four defensively, but if he can't shoot, I mean, it's going to be hard. So, yeah. I mean, but, could
0: he be like, I mean, is he the same size as O'Shea sort of? He's taller. He's taller, he's right? O'Shea's like, what, six, eight? Yeah,
1: six eight,
0: six nine ish. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he's a little tall. So he could, I mean, like O'Shea could play center in like some weird lineup they did last year. Well, I'm not sure if he's super effective, but like a bench lineup he could probably get away His with. Jackson's already 6'10. Yeah. Well, he's only 19, so he could get taller theoretically. It's possible. It's happened to some players. Uh yeah, so I think that would, yeah. I am mean, we're not gonna see him. We'll see him in games where they're up 30. maybe. Honestly, we haven't went through many players that he might not even play in those games because Goga playing those minutes, to be honest. So we'll just see. But uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be to me, the the Tory Craig, Duarte, Lamb, Sumner, Shakeup will be interesting to see who ends up with the most minutes out of that. And does somebody just like not as good as I think they're going to be to start the season?
1: Uh yeah, we'll see. I mean, remember, Justin Holiday kind of surprised us with his minutes load. Uh, I mean, we, we thought he'd be the bat the last guy in the rotation, but not as good as he was,
0: and he stole a bunch of minutes. So
1: it's possible that Craig does the same thing.
0: We'll see. Yeah, like, like I'm wondering, like, I mean, not till I already be down there, but like I wonder if Craig is not as good as i think he's going to be for five million dollars, right? Does he just kind of like another version of Lamb ish? I mean, he's a better defender, but like on the, the kind of the reverse way. So then you feel like you should play the rookie just because it's you're getting flat minutes. You might as well play the player that at least you can develop better.
1: Yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, you should always be playing Duarte over Craig,
0: but this isn't a
1: vacuum. This is a basketball. No, and,
0: and they're trying to win, right? That was the problem. What was that? It was kind? Of, I guess they didn't really. It was kind. Of, that was the Aaron Holiday thing for a while, right? A couple of things ago was like they were trying to win. they want to play him? They eventually played him because Vic got hurt, but there was like that discussion of like, should they be playing him? I think he didn't play the first well, time. Yeah, that
1: was no. a discussion right after they signed McConnell. Remember, uh, but then McConnell just outplayed him like so badly. Right that it stopped becoming a thing after a while. But yes, at first, that was a, a huge thing. It's like, why are they choosing McConnell here? Why is McMillan doing
0: Well, this? and I think we got like, I think, I'm think i thinking the year before even, where like he, Aaron Hall didn't play at all in the first 20-something games. And then he, then he played that one game where Vic got her and he played it amazing. It's like, oh, why have they been playing him the whole time? Oh, I forgot he was even on the team when they had Corey Joseph. <laughs> yeah, 18-19, right? That was his first Yeah, time. Right? Remember, he was like semi in Mike Conley trade rumors. Uh, what a, what a not, even not even semi well okay I just, I'm not sure that could have been impossible straight up for the Pacers frankly anyways what a bizarre time uh, that, that that was anything else on those three guys or should we move on and talk about no no no
1: let's do the whole roster alright
0: so let's this. take one more break and we'll do the whole roster and how they might fit in Carlisle uh, system but first today's Lockdown Pacers podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball City is in full swinging track. All the action on battleline.ag. The latest news, all the info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to your battleline.agent, your laptop, mobile device. You have all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and of information. Don't sit on silence anymore. This is your chance to get in the game and teams prep for their playoff runs. Head to the website today, use mobile device, and receive a 50 to bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. So, Tony, who do you think will benefit the most from Ricardo? Benefit the, the most? Yeah. What player? TJ Warren. Uh, on. Okay. Why? <laughs> oh, why? Oh, I, I didn't expect that to be your follow up question. Oh, come on. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Right, give me a second a second so i have a guy that
1: i'm really interested in under Bjork, or under Bjorken, under carlisle but that's not my answer for the, the the guy that i think will be the best so why, why, uh, warren why, 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 is a guy that i think will benefit a lot because if things are more i keep using words that i don't love here but simple watered down right core of the game kind of stuff and not that Yorkers stuff read was, and react him done with that. Not that Bjorkman stuff was overly complex, right? It worked like their offense was, was good at a lot of the times last year. And he got like some makeshift lineups to get them some points. Right. But you know, TJ Warren is like, not, not the park, but like loves that, that kind of like pickup game style of like, I can see what's going on and I know how to get to my spot and score kind of player. Uh, who can move around the perimeter, get the ball, put it on the floor, make something happen. And I think
0: that kind of player is going to fit well with how Carlisle wants the game to be played. Yeah, I think mine is going to be Sabonis here. I think Sabonis will benefit from probably a more staggered situation, whether it's him being staggered out quicker so he can play with the bench more like the two years ago. Or, I mean, I just think it'll it'll fit well to Carlisle if he just, like, kind of figuring out how to minimize his turnovers in some ways and also in a way supplying the offense for him and giving him a little easier reads to make because uh, that that was that's most biggest thing where he needs to improve the most is kind of getting that turnover to assist ratio down or higher, I guess, uh, getting turnovers down and assists up. But I think you're probably right. Warren is supposed to be the most beneficial probably because of the Pacers' two best players.
1: I think Zubonis. you know, last year Bjorkman gave him absurd touches. I actually think Sabonis could get similar numbers of touches under Carlisle, if I'm just thinking about stylistically what he'll like because Sabonis does make a lot of quick decisions when he's in there. So All that's right. a, that's a good thought uh, that if, if things are a little – I'm trying to use synonyms, man. Well, so worry.
0: here's the other thing, too. I think defensively, Sabonis will benefit from not having to run around the court like the way he was. Now, they, cheese might still do that to him, but I think there'll be a little more thought about like
1: – Well, if be- they just have a base defense that isn't just chase guys 30 feet from the rim, even that will help Sabonis not run yeah, around the floor And so And
0: I, I do wonder if you – I mean, I know – like Turner, the thing about Turner is he's such a good defender when it comes to the rim, but he also is a pretty decent primer defender for his size. And do you like at times try to switch just a little bit just to give Sabonis a breather, right? Do you figure out how to just do like a couple of things different defensively at times? Not not maybe in your big moments, but just like, you know, if you're playing them together early second quarter, do you just let Sabonis be protector for the play and have Turner be the running?
1: Turner can switch too. So. Uh, you know, in any other situation, maybe you let Turner guard the four to switch. Uh, sometimes, sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean enough to give him a little bonus and breathers so we can put more effort into the offense. Because that was the biggest thing I feel like. Sabonis, I think, led the league, at least until he... Uh, got hurt later in the year. with led the league in like miles traveled per game. Def-
1: defensive distance traveled, yeah. I think total but, distance.
0: I think total distance in the whole league, he had the most miles traveled. I think per- it was
1: just defensive. I
0: forget. Oh, I- someone on
1: offense was was
0: nuts. I forget it was.
1: Um, another guy similar for reasons to Warren. I think will look good under Carlisle's Kerris. Uh, just again had like, and we kind of have heard reporting that the Pacers would like him to be a little more point guard rolling. Not that they want him to like create for others and stuff, but just handle the ball a bit more have that sort of responsibility so some of the late clock stuff could end up in his hands and some of the easier reads like like the Darren Collison passes could fall on his shoulder so I think he's a guy who could benefit a little bit from Carlisle but that kind of leads into the guy I'm the most interested in this year and that's that's Malcolm Brogdon uh Brogdon like I said earlier right he talked about that he could he got the freedom to call play sometimes and the play calls were a thing the Pacers did a lot in the past and Brogdon has the point guard the last two seasons is responsible for getting those started or setting those up. And, 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 and we've seen Brogdon be good in the clutch, right? Two straight seasons with the Pacers, like pretty damn good actually in the regular season clutch for the Pacers. And that is when the game is at its most simple. And people always do this stupidest thing to me. The Pacers were on a pick and roll with no action in the clutch and teams are going, "Oh, they, they went away from their plays. Yeah. Teams do er- all teams are thinking about at the end of games is not turning the ball over. Anyway, Brogdon is great at scoring or, or getting a good look in those situations, right? And I think that, I, 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 maybe I think is the wrong word, but I wonder, I wonder if him, in a situation where when he has the ball, what he's asked to do or what he's asked to set up is, is less often than it was in the past, and he might be off ball a little more, so he himself is reading the defense and getting himself in a situation. He's a, he's a very smart player to react to what the defense is doing and get a good look. I, I wonder if it could be a very good fit for him um, it's, it's it's possible that it's not right. It, that that he doesn't quite have the gravity to set himself up in the ways that would make him awesome. But I, I really wonder if he's a guy who could really benefit from this style. And he's big enough to switch too. I, I just think he could he could be in a great spot.
0: Yeah, I, I hope they figure out how to not how to split up the ball like between him and Levert at some Sabonis and just try to give him a little bit more off the ball. Um because I, I think that's where he can. I mean, the problem is he had had such a good year last year, right? So he, like, arguably had a, I mean, not arguably, he definitely had his career, like a career year last year. Like, first year season, he averaged over 20 points. He got a three point shooting back to almost 40%. Like, it was by far um, the best of his career and kind of showed he could be maybe like a 1B on on a good team. I just don't know how much it's going to like improve on a Carlisle. I think, I mean, probably his raw numbers will take a step back. Now, efficiently, if he's the same. That's fine. I mean, raw numbers are not that important when you win 34 games. If you win 48 games and your numbers are a little worse. It's much better. Um, but I guess I just I want his effigy to get back to where it was. And it's never going to be back to Milwaukee days because that would play with Giannis. I mean, play with Giannis. It makes things super easy. But his like efficiency was actually better with Giannis off the court in Milwaukee. Isn't that the wildest stat? Well, I guess, though, doesn't he better in the fact that then he was playing with bench units? Not really? For, right. I'm assuming with Giannis on the floor, he's playing with the bench then, right? Or no.
1: I, I don't know I'd have to dig in a lot more to that but I, I doubt it I mean I doubt it
0: <laughs> no most teams don't just do the Bjorkren style like
1: four bench players in a starter like it's it's more mix and match so nah, 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 not really
0: okay I, I mean I, I would assume under that line that he was playing like those 12 minutes of everything I guess he plays like 16 actually now with the starters but whatever it was he was playing like a lot of there's a lot of second units which obviously brought him and kill second units because he's a starting level player um But I I think the question can he get can he be like efficient enough where he's like can he be a true forty percent three point shooter again? I'd probably never be fifty percent in the field, but could he be like forty eight and forty or even forty seven and
1: thirty nine? Yeah, he he creeped closer. He he was more efficient and a higher score last year. In tandem, those are a good combo. Uh, His passing was down though, right? So he was definitely more scoring focused last year. So if he is pivoting to off ball, I think you'd expect similar uh, like per minute numbers and similar efficiency stuff but i just wonder how he'll look in terms of impact because maybe he can exert more on defense there maybe he can be a little more of that connecting player with the bench guys justin holiday in a switching defense where he's asked to just run around like a maniac on the perimeter uh on offense i think he'll look great mcconnell
0: yes yeah, uh, so if we beat around the bush is mcconnell gonna be like the most benefit i mean i guess we're no Great your last no, year right so, yeah mcconnell's
1: think? interesting to me because he creates a lot like in a good way, like obviously a, a plus bench player. We've talked about this before. Playoff setting, we'll see, but uh he doesn't. It's not like we react with him so much, right? Like he just makes it happen. He just runs into the lane and, and makes the defense collapse. So I think that will be the same, right? That 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 impact will look similar, and it's any system. Like he's he's not going outside the system or like doing what he's not supposed to. But what he does is not like. They're not like, oh, TJ McConnell, we're we're gonna call a play to get you in the lane. Like he just doesn't, you know what I mean? So I kind of feel like he's gonna be a be similar, maybe a little bit better, uh, but but similar.
0: Yeah, what's crazy? Which is still a good thing. Yeah, what's crazy? If you look at McConnell's last two seasons, his per 36 numbers are basically identical.
1: Hey, he played a lot more minutes last
0: year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean his the rod numbers are higher, but because he played more minutes. Um, I mean, I I I think I think that obviously, right? There's the 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 white hook guard comparison, right? Will he be the the new JJ Barea, right for Rick Carlisle. Um, I doubt that, frankly.
1: That's more of a size comparison to me, and I and I actually like that role idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a something, but I think Barea is a well, yeah, Beraya's a better offensive player for sure, right? He can shoot, so that, that I mean.
1: he's more versatile. I don't know about more impactful, but more versatile for sure.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with McConnell is that uh, is that will he be playing as many? We went through the how deep kind of the bench is, and is there you know is McConnell playing as many minutes, right? I mean, is the Sumner pop, like, does, does somebody else catch Carlisle's eye, right? Does, I mean, I'm McConnell play a lot because they paid him a lot of money, but, like, does Sumner get some more minutes out for him because he's, kept, you know, he's showing some amazing athletes in practice and they want to see how it looks, right? So really can't be the point guard all the time, but could he be a little bit of the time, right? I, I just wonder if some of that might, might happen or if they start staggering some ways to get, like, avert some of the bench point guard minutes, uh, that could affect McConnell. Um, And I think him not having McDermott while – they just were such a good duo the last few years. We're to see how he adjusts to that, because uh, probably the best point shooter on the bench will be uh, Justin Holiday, which they also played pretty well together. But I don't think they played as much last year because because Holiday started so many games uh, compared to the year before. Um, so I just basically see how McConnell adjust to the, kind of some of the changes.
1: Yeah, and I think Warren having the ball in his hands more will probably reduce his minutes at least somewhat, or you know, because if he's not having yeah. the ball in his hands. He's well, not gosh, playing even,
0: probably 18 to 20. Right. That's what will go back to. Right.
1: About, I would guess. Yes. I mean,
0: there'll be some injuries and then he might end up playing a whole game. which. Could and be what would and Sumner
1: stuff. have to do for me to, for me to really think about like playing Connelless? less? I mean, that, that's kind of a sizable gap. Yeah.
0: Right? I guess the, my thought was like, do you try to get Levert some bench point guard minutes for whatever? Cause you like, Oh sure. Field. Yeah. And then is Sumner playing in that lineup? And I, I, so, I mean, like, like, is there like, are you, is you try to put like your most athletic players out in the bench, like the bench unit, for example, right? Do you just like
1: athleticism does not equal good though?
0: No, no, it doesn't. But do you try? I mean, the thing too, I, I would say is, is important if they actually want to make some playoff runs is experimenting different lineups to see what they have. Cause I mean, the McConnell's biggest weakness is that in the playoffs, you feel like you can exploit him. So we might have to make that adjustment. So, like, it's just seeing, and that's where you just have a little bit different role for some minutes. He's not, you know, I think a lot of times. McMillan and Bjorken really, really just, like, leaned into McConnell as, like, we need to get wins, and he's got to get wins right now. And I think the Pacers are a little bit better. They might not need that as much because they can rely on their starters to help get more wins, and they just try some more unique things against some of the worst worse teams where, like, I think the Pacers, are like, need to McConnell to beat all the bad teams the last couple of years.
1: I suppose, yeah, he, he was more helpful uh, in that way the last couple of years. I don't know about the good team, bad thing, bad team stuff. Uh, for guys from last year who's left O'Shea I think will be good in the switching system uh, and he kind of was a read and react guy last year anyway like all of his shots were play finishing plays uh, we talked about Sumner Duarte Isaiah Jackson who are yeah missing? you know who might
0: be the worst I think will be the worst benefit from this or like least benefit I guess not the worst but the least benefit from from Carlisle mine is McConnell yours is yours gonna be Jeremy Lamb no, mine thought my thought it might be Gogo, because if he's gonna if he's gonna stagger, like he said, I mean, of course, every coach commander here and says that the last two seasons, but like if he's gonna stagger Turner in Sabonis, there are no minutes for Gogo then. <laughs>
1: uh yeah, that yeah, that's true.
0: I mean, are, are we really gonna go another year where they play a bench of like Sabonis gogo together or whatever? Like that just seems ridiculous. <laughs> It haven't been that bad, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's so do I don't think you can tell get, anything good or bad. It just looks ridiculous. to have <laughs> I would two rather do that and and out go there. For
1: 10 minutes Then not do that.
0: Maybe I don't I just, I just, unless I think, it's just so awful. Yeah, but the but, problem is, is so what in 1920, we saw how good a lineup on the benches is, was is the bonus surrounded with shooters, basically. I mean, Kyle's kind of not a shooter, but like four offensive threats, right? That lineup was so good. The, the two holidays, when Aaron Hall was actually kind of good for a little bit, McConnell, Sabonis, and McDermott. right? So, like, why are the pitchers not going back to that at some point? Like, clearly, Sabonis when he's by himself he can maybe reach another level at times.
1: Well, that again, what like with the why does the starters have more shooters in that bench unit, and they weren't as good last year, right? I think that was a lot of playing against other benches.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's part of it for sure. I mean, like a big part of it. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Then I guess what I'm trying to say is that like. Why would they go to a bench unit where they where they, if they want to do that again, where they're playing Goga and making that bench unit worse when they could just they have four smaller players to play on some bones they could just do that again. Right. And, and
1: they're, they're trying the to be advantage. good, so I don't I don't think they'll do that very often, right? But That's what I mean. Also That's... talked about like with Duarte, what is the what
0: is the balance there of them being good versus the young well, guy? And in a
1: vacuum, you should be trying to play Duarte, but it, when you're good, you don't get to as much. Yeah, right? yeah but
0: at least size wise, Duarte fits in, that, in a lineup like that. And if he's a good three point shooter, you can probably get away with it. Versus like Goga, like literally just fit. <laughs> At all on that. Uh, I suppose Goga's better. Goga, Goga is better, but is he better when he's playing like, or Sabonis is playing four, like like playing four and he's playing center and they're clogging up the I guess go ahead and kind of shoot threes maybe, I guess. But like. His form know. is excellent.
1: <laughs> his <laughs> the, form the is excellent. His product is <laughs> not so excellent. <laughs>
0: it doesn't mean it goes in. got to go <laughs> it, in. Before did he leave a great form, right? Or did it change? Uh, no, he did not. Did He He had good form in college, right? He had then, good
1: form as a, Yeah, he had good form as a rookie and then his muscles just ruined it. And Goga is the best twenty three percent three point shooter of all time.
0: I just I, I got so I feel so bad for Goga. I just like he should be on a team where he could just play on the bench for twenty five minutes as the backup center and there are like twenty four teams we could do that for. He's just on the one team where he can't do that for, basically. and it's just kind of it's a bummer because like he should just be getting minutes and figuring it out and then they'll see if he's good or not. Um, but right now, like nobody has any idea and it just kind of stinks for him.
1: yeah, i uh, I am gutted for him. All right,
0: yeah for feel, many reasons yeah i mean like because like it's not like leaf where like we knew he was bad it was like we don't i have no idea about go literally i couldn't tell you whether he's good or bad
1: jimmy lamb could small benefit from carlisle style though defensively him switching seems like a nightmare um he just
0: he's I think not contract a contract will benefit Jeremy lamb maybe that's not what? a real thing because <laughs> it totally is a real thing contract oh there's here. been
1: tons of data studies that say that it's not a real
0: thing okay tony <laughs> you're just like you're just, you're just ruining i'm just remember the pacers team had like seven i will only guys,
1: say it's real when when contract your players play well well yeah, i'm a narrative based I, I, I think they're okay. let's put this way
0: i think in certain instances there is a benefit in sense that like it probably motivates a guy to play like to be a little more like focused in some ways like i think solomon hill i think here, it's
1: focus people. and endurance i think they're more willing to grind out the endurance you're yeah
0: i think yeah and so like I, I don't think like yes it's not like i'm sure you look it's at not whole, totally nothing yes I'm yeah being... I'm, I'm sure if you look at the whole league it's sure because like most guys when they got a contract year, i know they're gonna get another contract because they're good or whatever or whatnot but like i think somebody on the fringes i wonder like if you took like players who are like on that like let's call it eight to eight to like 12 best player on a team range if they have better contract years you know what i mean i don't know if there's been a study on that or not um but like i think he could benefit from that the same way like the I mean, the last Patriots guy I think of had a contract here was like Solomon Hill. Like that guy totally benefited. But even that year, the Patriots had like seven. Remember the year they had seven guys on one-year deals? Do you remember that? Like 20, yes, 18, 19. I, yes. They were really good because they had seven guys who all were trying to get a contract, basically. And they were a good team. Yeah. But like, <laughs> no, but like you, you we saw like Bowie take a step. And they were it anyways. But like, it just felt like there was some of that, like they want to get paid as well. But they've all
1: been just as good since
0: then. Except uh Darren Collison, Darren Collison because he was in play Corey Joseph has not been as good but he got older he definitely been as good has he been as good really I honestly he's been so relevant that I forgot how good. I mean I guess he wasn't that good right he was like solidly like, that year and he's been solid since uh that's no better was Tyreek wasn't but Tyreek just kind of got suspended Does not count. uh who else was there on that roster uh Carlson Bowie on Corey Mal Jefferson
1: now. retired Jefferson um, retired.
0: Joe Young on that team too. Joe, Dan Joe Dan. Young,
1: yeah. I feel like a lot of them actually uh, did not get better at him I don't. I don't think this, this theory holds water for you very
0: well. Well, I think you were you were saying how they were all the.
1: Well, eh,
0: I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to think now who because they should be
1: their peak years, and that does not appear to be the case.
0: But for Bogun, it really did work. I, that's that's the rest. But he's of been work.
1: just as good since it uh,
0: Maybe, <laughs> kind of. Has he been just as good? I'm trying to remember now. Yes, very much so. Yeah, but I, I think they're going to watch some... the Jazz. I, I know he's been just as good. As Bojan would it.
1: be great under Rick Carlisle.
0: Fantastic. Uh,
1: well, I guess Bojan... Mm, Lance got
0: worse. There's actually, worse. you know what? Bojan has not had a better shooting percentage year since the... the oh, that the that settles year. it. <laughs> 15%. That settles it. He shot 42.5% he, he from three on like five attempts. That's insane. <laughs> Bogey can stroke it, man. I know, but he was... I mean, that year he leaped. Like, he totally... It was was a little, wasn't he hurt last year? We... I know we're at the end of the podcast because of our current subject. Matter. I know we diverged. Just, I'm just saying, stat-wise, that was his best pure efficiency year by far. Ah. Just saying. Wait, that only-
1: <laughs> I don't even think that's true.
0: Yeah, per- percentage-wise, he shot a an effective percentage of 57.5%. It's not shot higher since then. Oh yeah,
1: that was his best true shooting percentage by. Uh, let's
0: see per 100 numbers. You know, last you know, he had a little bit better per 100 numbers, I guess, in some in some areas in 2019 20 i guess like slightly whatever it doesn't matter all right we can, we can move on from that. <laughs> i think i think it's i think what we've determined is is uh neither of us is right neither of us is probably wrong it's probably somewhere in the middle wait
1: neither i'm never right
0: what do you mean you're never right
1: i've never been right ever i'm usually wrong
0: no that, our not listeners
1: it. not discovered this yet
0: oh i usually think you're you're, you're right like, <laughs> of time. i think whatever all right any uh what else do you talk about before we finish up the show
1: Um, not a lot. Uh, I think that, I think that I wanted to do this show when I was scheduling shows for our off season recaps and such to talk about that. Rick Carlisle is a really big addition to the Pacers and could benefit a lot of guys who fit the way he likes to play. And I think the way they played, it it would benefit a lot of the team that they have, right? They don't have a lot of either, you know, guys that rely on a lot of athleticism and less IQ or guys that are, you know, really specialists in ways that, that wouldn't fit his style. So I think he's a big free agent acquisition and, that sounds like a very Pacers colored glasses way of like spinning. Like it was a good offseason because, you know, I'll give my grade next Monday, but uh, it, it's a bigger factor than people are giving it credit for when just looking at what they did. So th- that that's my thesis of today. And I should do my thesis at the beginning, but I sucked at high school English all Yeah. It at the
0: end. Well, so I think it's kind of funny. So go, go, go to last thing for the Knicks, right? What, what was their biggest offensive move last year? Yeah, Tibbs Knicks? by far. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it, it, Auntie it Williams, same thing. Yeah. That's well, like, Chris. Hmm. Chris Paul is acquisition as well. That's Yeah, I didn't think that went through. All they the kind way. of go hand in hand. I mean, I, I, I yeah. see what you're trying to do there, but they kind of go together. Yeah,
1: I was a little, little overplaying my hand on that one. Yeah. Um,
0: I guess I was going to say Frank Vogel, but really they got AD that year too, didn't they? Yeah. That doesn't count. Uh, but I, I think yeah. last year the next time. Ty Lue, there we go. Got one. Yeah, but they didn't sign. Like, that's because they were so bad.
1: Yeah, the Ty Lue was the big Clippers signing. That's why they got better.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the I think for the, the Sixers, you could say something about Doc, right? They got worse. Doc's a bad coach. They get worse though. That's actually. how I end the
1: pod. My Doc Rivers hatred. <laughs> all right,
0: they had the same result as I guess, but they were a Doc Rivers'
1: playoff player. record does not deserve the price he gets. Like
0: he's a good coach for sure, he but be a champion, Doc Rivers. Everybody.
1: I just, I just don't get it anymore.
0: Okay, all right, Tony. I don't really. I mean, I'm not a Doc Rivers stand, so I don't really care. But I don't. <laughs> it is. It is. We have now reached reached uh, into Tuesday. As we're recording this podcast, so I think we need to wrap it up. Oh,
1: I agree. All right. Get me out of here.
0: All right. So, as always, you can follow our podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Pacers, maybe. Uh, you can follow Tony at TCMVA, me at FreeMadam5. That is all for Lockdown Pacers podcast. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.